Hey, it's Casey Cheshire from EO Boston. It's an honor for my team at Ringmaster to partner with EO Atlanta to produce this great podcast. If you're interested in an experience share around what it takes to launch a podcast, how to be a better host, or a great guest, shoot me an email at casey at ringmaster.com. And now back to the show. Entrepreneurship is hard. So let's fix that and dive into our hero's journeys. This is Taking Flight, an entrepreneur's journey, and I'm Sarah Torville. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of those already in flight. This show is sponsored by EO Atlanta. Hello to our listeners and our watchers. This is another, I always say this, but it is every, like every interview I do is another very, very interesting and exciting podcast interview, and there's going to be nothing different about today. And she is a trusted advisor and a financial accountability partner, a multi-skilled, adaptable professional with knowledge about investment and securities, a graduate of Leadership Atlanta and 2021 Atlanta Business Chronicle Women of Influence Honoree, which is absolutely incredible. Also a TEDx women speaker on the recent speech she did was the right way for couples to talk about money, which I just think is such a crucial topic. A powerhouse, and she's a powerhouse and inspires women to blaze their own trail of equality. Founder and CEO of Artisan Financial Strategies, Meredith Moore. Here we go, Meredith. Welcome to the show. Hey, Hey, Sarah. How are you? I'm so excited to uh, talk today and really break everything down. Yeah. I'm excited too. I'm finally like, I mean, that was a long, that was a long bio. There's so many accomplishments. So I can't wait to kind of get into all this with you today. So, alrighty. So everybody knows my first question, we get out the gate and then we really want to kind of really shed light on what did you get right, Meredith, when you took your first flight into your entrepreneurial journey? Please share it with us. Right. So there were, there were really, I would say three things. And Perhaps I might have a little different path because I started my practice at age 23 right out of Georgia Tech. Um, So take that contextually as I lay these three things out. So number one, I went for it. I dove in. At 23, frankly, Sarah, I didn't know any better. So I just went for it. And I didn't have perhaps the risk that some people might have if they started later in life. Number two, in my world and professional services, unlike a lot of my peers, I hired staff before I was profitable. And at 23 and 24, I knew that if I wanted to increase my top line faster, I had to do that. And, um, you know, in the in the mid 90s, mid to late 90s, that was a contrarian thing to do very early in my practice. Okay. And then number, yeah, and number three, um, I spent 30 revenue on marketing early on because I also knew that that would drive my top line. And at that time in the late 90s, there are all sorts of MBA studies about what Coca-Cola was doing with marketing. And so I, I kind of took a, I guess, a idea from their page and just really invested there. So you are a woman of my own game. You, you invested 30% in marketing, mm-hmm. which is um, obviously being a marketer, building the brand is so vitally important. Um, can you share with me out of those three areas that you did? And I know you mentioned the fact that you did something which maybe other people aren't, weren't doing is you actually hired people before you were profitable. How did that? So, so what you did, you just kind of 
you grew the company knowing that in time you're going to make it profitable. So you invested early on. Yeah, I did. And what I'll say, um, you know, financial services or any professional services industry is a little different. And um, I just, I knew that I had to. I also had at that time, I had a spouse that had, was making good income. And so that kind of afforded me that ability to do that. So I will sit in the crystal tower a little bit and say, Hey, that was pat myself on the back that I did it, but I did have a sort of safety net, if you will, at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. That's the importance of actually, which leads me on to the next question, which is about co-pilots. Uh, many of us, I don't think can, I mean, doing it on your own is very, very challenging, whether it's a spouse or just any support system. So who are or were your co-pilots on this journey? Sure. So um, to your point, um, my my spouse uh, was so critical. And even now where I am, I couldn't do what I do um, without what she does for a household. Mm-hmm. And but and we can we'll get into how we deal with money and yeah. especially with breadwinners and how that can lead to other stuff. But I mean, I'm I'm I sort of, you know, eat my own cooking and how we split some of that. Okay. And then I'll also say my number two, my uh, COO, she and I worked together almost 15 years. Okay. And it's kind of funny how that played out. It was complete by happenstance. Um, Sandy Jones is her name. And she really helps run the business. And mm-hmm. she, we are very yin and yang, which has, it's the ultimate rocket fuel as EOS calls it. So it's right. been exciting to work together over all these years. So because I know, I, I mean, I know traction um, very well and EOS very well. So you're saying she's the integrator and you're the visionary. Is that how it works? That's exactly okay. right. Okay. Exactly okay. Right. Yeah, so important to have that person really, really focused on the the operations and everything to make things do to allow you to get out there. I know you're very visible. You you invest a lot in spending time, um, you know, speaking at events, meeting people, holding your own events. It's incredible. I find I watch you, Meredith, and how you you've taken a real path into branding yourself and the business and I think it's it, obviously Sandy's enabling you to do that which both of you are incredible to make that happen she also keeps me grounded in the current or in the tactical where good better and different I'm always thinking two to three steps ahead yeah and she has to pull me back into the here and yeah. now a lot of times so yeah. I think that's just kind of that whole visionary yeah. um integrator sort of relationship that's wonderful wonderful Okay, so what is a challenge you and your team had to solve recently? Yeah, we've had a lot of them. So I, I am squarely, I am squarely in the scaling phase of my business, mm-hmm. and um, we had things kind of mapped out, if you will, with additional operational seats, and we hired, we hired to them. Now we hired them in not the right way. We hired them on a shoestring budget. Yeah. And so we brought C players to the table. Okay. And so literally I lost three operations employees in a matter of a year. Mm-hmm. One termination, which was really, really, really ugly. And then two resignations, um, you know, with their own review of their performance. So, you know, again, so we've had to recalibrate and rethink and learn from those mistakes. And so the learning on that um, in answer to your question was, and we know this, 
is I should have paid more, mm-hmm. hire the eight player, and maybe have fewer seats to not do it as quickly. So that was my right. big lesson. And we've recalibrated and we're getting ready. We're in the process of hiring again right now. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a great learning. Um, I mean, it, it takes the learning to get it right next time. So, yep. yeah. So maybe go from 3C players to 1A player or I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Use the same yeah. budget to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, isn't it? I wish I wish it was easier. I wish I wish running a business was easier, but there's this constant challenges. But it's a little, it's the people element that'll get us every time. Yes. No, I, I agree. As soon as you feel like you got things figured out, you haven't. There we go. Surprise. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> There's always something. So, um, but I'm really glad that, you know, you've been able to work on that challenge. It sounds like you're turning it around. Um, so I suppose, so your advice there to people who may be going is to, is to maybe, like you say, reduce the number of seats, invest more in the, in the people. How do you think though? I mean, sometimes it's really hard to know what an A player looks like. So are there, are you planning to work with any kind of recruitment partners? Like how are you, how are you able to define or even make sure you, you are hiring the next A player? Sure. So the financial advisory industry is a little different. Um, we have um, used recruiters that do nothing but that space in the past. Um, I just, we've had better hires that we've sourced ourselves. Really, in my world, unlike a lot of other businesses, I can go to some of the top firms and try to poach, yeah. for lack of a better term, their best operational talent. Right. Um, and and I have to have a very different offer, yeah. not just monetarily, yeah. but they're helping grow something. And so I have to come in with our own sort of secret sauce on why they need a stop working at the massive firm and, and come work yeah. with us. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, definitely. So this is where the marketing comes in. This is like the pitch, yep. you know, the pitch, the message. Um, but how refreshing to go from maybe a large corporation to a smaller agile agency, which is um, also very focused on, on, on women, I believe as well, like women financials, which. Right. So we, yeah, yeah we have two niches. One are our women breadwinners. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did a lot of research on that topic too. So about five years ago, I got very clear. It was very hard to niche. Um, we all know in our businesses, that's MBA 101, the last 10 years is niche. But it, our industry doesn't teach us to do that. It has taught us to, you do business with anybody that breathes. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that hasn't served me. And so I drew a line and said, look, I've worked with so many women in senior leadership yeah. and women founders over the years. I know this space. I see what happens with a spouse and how this plays out. And so I actually, Sarah, I reached out to all the academics in the world because there's only five that any body of research around this. Right. And between that and my 24 years of experience and working with, with couples and all their financial planning I started to see trends. And so that's where I started writing content and all of that. Uh-huh. I'll also say our junior advisor, Adam Tolliver, specializes in Black families and intergenerational wealth. So we've really kind of leaned in um, to those two markets and mm-hmm. it's been a lot of fun. Good, good. Okay. I want to get more into that in a moment, um, but that is exciting. So is there Meredith, is there a favorite book that you want to share with our listeners that you just think has been enlightening for you on your pathway? 
Sure. So actually right now I'm reading a book called The Seven Stages of Money Maturity. Um, it's by George Kinder. I think um, in my space, you know, people think it's just technical and finance. Um, hell, I believed that for years, but it's all psychology and really understanding people's story on money. And so that book has been really insightful for me as I work with couples to help unwrap that. I mean, there's a whole area in my industry now called financial therapy. Um, right. I do not practice that, but um, there's a lot to it. The other big one that's a business book that I absolutely love. I'm a big Ben Hardy fan. Um, mm -hmm. And it's 10X is Easier Than 2X by Ben hey. Hardy and Dan Sullivan. Mm -hmm. 10X is Easier Than 2X. Mm -hmm. That sounds interesting. The concept of 10Xing your revenues yeah. is easier because you can scrap all your old paradigms, essentially. Right. As opposed to just trying to double revenues. Okay. Okay. And who, sorry, who is the author of that book? Yeah. Um, Benjamin or Ben Hardy and ben Dan Hardy. And who, sorry? Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So important that we spread the love of these um of these other these great authors and this great educational insight that we can be getting. So so what excites you about the future, Meredith? What does your future of flight look like? I want you to take me there. Yep. <laughs> so I am I am a growth girl. I am a yep. growth junkie. Oh, I love that. Growth girl. Okay. Um, so I think right now I'm on this process of scaling this business, um, which, you know, sometimes I feel embarrassed that I didn't do it faster. I'm 24 years in and it, it took me what it took me, um, but we're starting to grow very rapidly right now. So this process is starting to be really fun. It's scary at the same time. I'm like many of us, I'm on a roller coaster, um, but I, I'm pretty goal oriented in case, um, I think Sarah, you know that about me, um, but for mm -hmm. listeners, and so really the process to hit these numbers and some of these KPIs we've developed is being, it's a lot of fun right now. Right. The other thing about my space that really excites me, um, and this is one reason I went into the industry, um, I create pretty meaningful impact in people's lives. I mean, yeah. and at the end of the day, in fact, we've had, um, we've had six clients that have passed away in the last nine months. And Again, is that fun? No, but I'm there for these families. And I've worked with many of these with many of these families for over 20 years. And so right. would be there at weddings, funerals, getting kids through college, and all the little nuances along the way. It's it's fun and it's I feel impactful. When we're in college, we always talk about, you know, we want to help people. That's why people say they get they do, they want to be a doctor or whatever. And that was kind of my story too, but I just do it in a different way and yeah. in a very supportive way. And it's, it's a lot of fun and I love creating impact. That is yeah. my mission. No, definitely. I mean, I can't believe that. So you've gone, yeah, when you go through these journeys with people and, and finance is such a, it's not just an underbelly kind of line item. It's like, it impacts so many things. It's, it's threaded throughout people's lives and you're right. And it's you emotional. Have, yeah, it's emotional. It's not the technical. Yeah. It's the emotional no. people don't think about. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, especially when it comes to, and we can get onto this a little bit more later, but I just think the whole topic between, I've heard you talk about it before, about how, um, you know, having a financial conversation with your spouse, you know, is is a challenging one to have. 
because um, particularly in my relationship, my husband sees that as his role. And it's like, and I see that as our role. And, you know, um, the, and it, it's amazing how people can kind of clam up when you want to have this conversation. Your situation is identical to what I see over and over again and how decisions yeah. are made, especially yeah. if she is out earning him. She will yeah. want to collaborate with him and get input. If he comes to me, though, typically, this is not always true, yeah. but the the need to collaborate is not as great. And yeah. so I, it's, again, these things are fascinating. They're not wrong or right, yeah. but I do talk about it. And I talk about a monthly cadence of running a financial meeting together. And I kind of lay out certain things that need to be covered in there, but it shouldn't be hard. And there's a lot of wine jokes about that meeting and my TEDx, but um, it's so important. And I have, <laughs> I've yeah, listened to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. very important. Mm -hmm. I, I will tell you, I have had so many women that are very, very resentful in their relationships when they're the breadwinner. And mm -hmm. yeah, and it, it doesn't mean that they're wrong or they're right. It, it kind of is. And to your point, we have these sort of gender roles that were sociologically yeah. baked into us on what is right and wrong. And yeah. we've got to learn to just let that, let that shit go. Yeah, no, I agree. Let that shit go. Like it. If anyone wants to take anything away from this podcast today, is let that shit go. Um, a monthly meeting with our spouses sounds, oh my gosh, my husband would be dreading it. But you know what? Probably needs to happen with a bottle of wine. <laughs> well, you know, I tell people it's like getting on scale. Um, it's a data yeah. point when we look at stuff. Yeah. It's not meant to be judgmental, but I no. break it down to like monthly, if you're just updating expenses together, not that it's wrong or right, because most people I see have no idea what they spend per month. And yeah. I'm not the budget police, yeah. but if you no. don't know what your monthly spend is, you don't know how much you should have an emergency cash. If yeah. you want to move to work optional or start another business at some point, you don't know what you're saving to. That's true. That's true. It's necessary. Yeah. Like you say, I'm, I, I try and avoid those scales, um, but you know, <laughs> It's that data point, but no, you're, yep. it's making a lot of sense, Meredith. So, so who are you? Talk to me like pre-flight. I mean, I know you started in business. You, I think you said 23, a graduate from Georgia Tech. I mean, that's actually, that's quite incredible. I don't know many people which go straight into entrepreneur, um, entrepreneurism mm -hmm. because we feel like we've got to go get the training first. Right. So, you know, I don't know whether, how much you can share with me before yeah, you went yeah. in, but yeah, I'd love to hear it, hear it from you. So um, I did my freshman year at Rice University and was a division one swimmer. I ended up transferring back in state, um, finished up an industrial engineering degree at Georgia Tech. And along the way, I realized really didn't enjoy the academics as much as I thought that I should. Right. And so I got really involved in groups and leadership. I learned how to put on massive events. I learned how to fundraise. I learned how to get friends to help me. I was building small businesses at that time. Right. If you really look at it. And ironically, the person that gave me my identity was the Dean of Students at Georgia Tech at that time in, in 1996, 1997, Gail Sabatino, because she nominated me for an award that I didn't even know existed. Um, it was It was basically Student Entrepreneur of the Year and I ended up getting a check from Mr. Mm -hmm. First to the right. Tech, if you know the First Center of the Arts, 
And so I got a $10,000 check and I was named student entrepreneur of the year. And so therein became my identity. Yes. And, That's amazing. Yeah. And in 1997, the concept of buying a business was go buy a subway franchise. Right. And so, you know, financial services was a place where, you know, I'd, I'd gone to Georgia Tech. I had a good bit of education. Um, I, I quickly learned that I was smarter than, than the average person out there, basically, yeah. and certainly in financial services at that time. Um, and so I was able to, you know, get licensed, get trained and start building something very early on. Right. No, you're right. They def- when they when when you won that student entrepreneur of the year, they they helped to define you. Yeah, I'm and an entrepreneur I- that just happens to be a financial advisor. Yeah, yeah, you are. But how amazing to get! I mean, Georgia Tech has such a great reputation. Um, I doubt whether it was anything different back then. Um, so that's an incredible award. I, I love the fact that that was that that carved your path for you. So. Um, so are you, were you born and raised in Georgia? I was. I grew up in Atlanta. I grew up in East Cobb County, went to Lassiter High School and um, still still live here, obviously. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful place. Yes. I love, li- love living here. So um, kudos to you for staying. Um, yeah. We don't meet too many Atlantans, do we? Everyone is from somewhere else. So it's nice. It's nice that my, you stayed. Yeah. And my son is literally was born at Northside Hospital, just like I was. So it's right. funny. How that world works out. That is funny. Okay, so present day, like you have mentioned some of these things about the impact that you've made on families, but tell me, like, you know, if you could really give clarity around the problem that you believe you solve, can you explain that to our listeners? A lot of people come to me wanting sort of peace of mind and safety and security. Um, I'll commonly get questions like, do I have enough money to stop working in my big job right. or I'm going to sell my business now? How much do I need to get for it if I'm going to do some consulting and have less income? And so at the end of the day, I'm all about um, giving people emotional security and safety based upon where they are and having somebody to vet these questions with. Yeah. Um, in my world, I will also tell you when people come to me, they usually have an investment person, an insurance right. professional, a CPA, and an estate attorney, but nobody's talking. Um, yeah. Sarah, and balls are getting dropped, and and I get the call. And right. so, yeah, so it's a safety and security thing. The other thing I hear a lot, especially from men, right, wrong, or indifferent, is I'll get told, I know that if, if something happens to me, that you'll be there for my wife. Right. So I hear that a lot. It's interesting that I hear that, but I do. You do. So are you affiliated to any banks or lending companies, Meredith? Like, is, is it or just your advice? Is it really kind of purely impartial? So it's impartial. We all have to clear through a set, um, what we call a broker dealer or an RAA. And I, I have a loose relationship just for, for clearing purposes with New York Wife, but I don't, we don't we're not constrained to having right. to, to work with them. It's all sort of a regulatory deal, but I'm advice driven. And most right. all of our clients, they pay us consulting fees for that advice. And then yeah. from the advice leads to what might need to get done, depending right. on thing is different for every person we yeah. work with. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, is that challenging where, like you say, I mean, you're dealing with lives. It's not like, like in my business, I can kind of, you know, of course, every business is different, but I can see where they are on their journey, you know, and one tech company has similarities to another tech company. But with, you know, I don't know if you can take that. I mean, I'm sure there are some similarities of people, but yeah. Are you able to kind of devise like Mm -hmm. the kind of programs or, and they're similar or are they also completely different? They're all completely different, but there's some, there's some threads that are similar. I will tell you though, um, I'm glad you asked that question because I remember I was working with a client way out in Social Circle, which is outside of Atlanta, way out 20, and they were older. They were probably like 70 at that time, and um, I was probably 26, and I remember I come to them with ideas and how we're going to structure things. And I was driving back and I'm like, these people have given me their life savings. Right. Not given me directly, but given yeah, me yeah, yeah. responsibility to kind of help them. Yeah. And it hit me and it hit me driving back on I-20 um, yeah. back to my office and how important it was for me to make sure that I took that responsibility. Like it meant everything to me. Yeah. And yeah. so- I still see that with every client that I work with and do my very best to go to the mat behind the scenes if there are issues. So it, and that's what clients don't, they don't see the behind the scenes with some of the stuff we have to do with institutions to fight on their behalf. So, yeah. but that's, that's who I am and back to impact. That's why I do what I do. Yeah. That's really, really, um, very powerful. Um, and obviously people, you're very, people trust you. Meredith and now you've got all these years of experience as well so and again it must be I mean when you're 27 it's it's hard to get people to trust you when you're still learning life yourself as well so you've done very well to keep this going and and to continue to grow the company so congratulations to you thank you so if love this next question if you were to do this all again would you do it all over again of course I would. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think what I like about this business is that um, I don't have to deal with cost of goods sold, like some of many of my friends and operating right. capital, and mm-hmm. I can still grow it to have a nice lifestyle, which is yeah. what a lot of us still want. Yeah. That being said, it's not a lifestyle business. So it's some combination of the two. And- <laughs> yes. And it allows me to go do speaking and, and do a lot of writing and things like that too, but while serving and I can choose who I want to work with and that, that feeds me. I'm a big believer, Sarah, that we're the average of the five we're around the most. And my, actually my clients have, they didn't even know they were pushing me more than they knew to up my game. And so that's why it's it's really cool being able to work with some of the people that I work with and some of these families. Yeah, 100%. Okay. I'm glad to hear you would do it all over again. So that's wonderful. So what do you what do you do outside of work, Meredith? What what makes you happy? What are you passionate about? So, um I get told a lot inside the office that I need to go get a better hobby. Um <laughs> Yeah. So I, I I work out. I wouldn't say it's my deep passion. Um I, I, I'm a movie girl. Like I'm a film, like call me if you need any film advice. Okay. Okay. Shows. Like I usually get texts on that. 
I enjoy enjoy putting groups together. You kind of put it, I'm a connector. Mm -hmm. And as you know, I have this luncheon series called Interesting Women Leaders in the ATL. And that has allowed me and afforded me the ability to meet anybody that I've really wanted to meet in Atlanta for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been fun. And I, you know, I love speaking um, to diversity, equity, and inclusion groups, especially on this using money as a platform for women to create power within themselves and within their relationships and with what they're doing to create meaning in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do a lot of stuff there. I also do a lot of stuff in the brain tumor community because in 2005, six weeks after having my son, I was diagnosed with something called a glioblastoma. And I'm one of the long internationally, one of the longest uh, living survivors that is sort of public and that's out there. And so while I don't live in that community constantly, I, I try to, I typically I'll get a call from friends of friends. Hey, will you talk to this family? And so I try to give back um, that way. So that's wow. kind of something that, that I feel sort of this moralistic obligation yeah. to continue to serve and let people know there is hope and where to go. In fact, one of my dearest friends, uh, that's from England, um, she started a nonprofit tech company to help GBM or glioblastoma um, patients and their MDs. And she passed away now about a year and a half ago. She had written a book. She was a major publisher up in Manhattan and um, just got it finally in the mail. And I was I was acknowledged in there. We had become good friends. So it was, it was the reality is everybody for the most part, dies with that disease and usually within yeah. two to four years. Oh my gosh, Meredith. Yeah. So having a six-week-old son at the time and dealing with that, and obviously being an entrepreneur, you were running a business. Yeah, my, my mom died when I was amidst chemotherapy, and then I got divorced about nine months after that. So wow. that's that's why in EO Atlanta, we had to talk about who our hero was. I always said Tina Turner, ironically. Uh, I, I, yeah. I had to reflect on that a lot the past few days. So, um, yeah. Yeah. but it's the tenacity, it's the ability, the resilience. Yeah. And, um, you know, all of us that are entrepreneurs, most all of us are resilient or we still put in business. I know hundred percent. We wouldn't still be doing it. We would have quit by now. Yeah. 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 And, and you're right. The, today does Mark Tina Turner died this week. So if anyone's thinking about when was this recorded, it was recorded that week and shocking and, but yeah, I mean, celebrating, actually not so celebrating, much. yeah, yeah. So no, celebrating so everything about her is so important. It it is important, and she and she's was one of the most resilient women. Ironically, I had watched because I watched streaming. I had watched her HBO documentary about a year ago, and and I that was her goodbye. Basically, she made that right. clear then. So right, okay, it is sad, but what yeah. an amazing individual. Yeah phenomenal individual went through so much hardship yet conquered it all with a stunning voice and wore leather skirts at the age of 60 years of age or 70 so yeah we can all live like tina turner uh, she simply is the best and i think uh, meredith you're, you're one of the best too i've really really enjoyed talking with you so how can people connect with you Absolutely. So um, people connect can connect with me on LinkedIn. Again, my name is spelled M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H, more M-O-O-R-E, um, as well as if you do want to email me, please feel free to reach out. 
M-M-O-O-R-E at artisan, A-R-T-I-S-A-N-F-S online.com. So, Perfect. Okay. We enjoyed our time together today, Sarah. I did too. I love our time together. Thank you so much, Meredith, for joining us and for sharing, you know, your interesting pathway of entrepreneurism, which has been going on for 24 years, which is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you to our audience. If you learned something today, maybe we made you laugh. I hope everybody did love the way I made that connection of Tina Turner, simply the best into Meredith. I mean, you got to give me some credit for that. It was like, <laughs> I'm all about making those all seamless um, connections. So no, um, please tell people about the podcast. This can extend well beyond Atlanta. It serves every entrepreneur going through their journey of building their business. So again, Meredith, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Sarah. You're welcome. And this has been another exciting episode of EO Atlanta's Taking Flight. And I look forward to seeing everybody next time. And so that wraps up another episode. Thank you for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at takingflight.live. For more information about EO Atlanta, visit eoatlanta.org. Special thanks to the following sponsors.